Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. Lord God, we thank you for what you make this ministry about. Um, and that's equipping and sending young adults with the gospel into uh, just various callings that you place upon our life. Um, Lord, knowing that that could be a godly marriage, that could be the global marketplace, uh, vocational, vocational ministry, as we'll talk a little bit about tonight. And uh, Lord, if nothing else, spiritual maturity, that we would all be made more into the image of Jesus Christ uh, through your word and through the circumstances of our lives, that God, we would see that you are sovereign and you have a plan for our lives to make us more like your son, Jesus. And so God, we give thanks uh, to you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us and be raised from the grave, that we would uh, be able to walk in the newness of life that you have for us, uh, free of sin, uh, forgiven, uh, by the blood of Jesus that's been poured out on uh, our behalf uh, at Calvary. And so, God, I pray that you would uh, help us to display the gospel through Ozzy's story and, uh, Lord, what you're doing in his life and, and to just show how, Lord, you have uh, meshed our lives together uh, for your glory and for our good. So, God, would you bless this time, bless this conversation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, I want to start with, um, so Ozzy, you're somewhat familiar with some of our sermons. I've kind of sent you a few of them lately about uh, what is the church. Uh, we've been having that kind of conversation, and what is a local church, and how does that church function? And so I think a good starting place for us is to kind of hear your testimony of coming to Saving Faith in Jesus, and how did that impact uh, church, your kind of church involvement? So let's start there. There we go. Already messing it up. That's all right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, deemed. so I grew up um, with parents who were non-believers. So my parents immigrated from Asia. That's why I look like this. But, you know. So, yeah, they, met, uh, <laughs> they met at the University of North Texas. Um, so they immigrated for college. And then I guess if you don't speak English well, you kind of stick together. And then the rest is history. So... Um, so they, yeah, they met as atheists, and then they kind of moved over to Virginia and then up to Maryland, which is where I grew up for an extended period of time. So the first person in my family that actually became a Christian was my mom. Um, she got saved when she was 35 with a very persistent friend of hers, like a coworker, um, who kept wanting to sit down with her, like one-to-one -one discipleship, like bring her out to coffee, answer any questions that she had. And she was almost so annoying, so annoying to the point that like my mom just had to like buy into this this gospel that she was sharing or something like that. Uh, but long story short, so my mom got saved when she was 35, and then she was like, "I gotta gotta share the gospel with my kids." So I have one older brother. His name's Oliver, and my name's Osbert. So Ozzy's a nickname. So it's it's Ollie and Ozzy, and then my parents are Wendy and Wesley. So that's kind of nice. it's kind of fun. Um, so my parents or no, my mom took me and Ollie to church. Um, it was a local church. It was a Chinese Bible church of Howard County in Maryland. Yeah. Small church of about 200 or so. Maybe the size of this room um, was a sanctuary. Wow. But yeah, so I grew up going to church for the first time when I was seven. And my brother was 15, so he's got eight years on me. <laughs> so I lost that everything growing up. You know, it was pretty, pretty awful. So yeah, I also was a part of Awana. Any of you grew up with Awana? Yeah, so I was reciting verses, and I was getting candy for all the good stuff I was doing. And so that was kind of the routine for a while, you know, as a, as a little kid who couldn't make his own decisions. It was church on Sunday, and then, like, small group on Saturday, and then I was plugged into Sunday school, 
And it was all kind of forced upon me. So I was very well versed in terms of like getting the books of the Bible in order, like the guy who got swallowed by a whale, you know, the guy who split the Red Sea, all these different things. I was able to like spit off really quickly. So that was kind of the routine for, I would say, a decade of my life. Um, Really throughout middle school and high school, that's just kind of what happened week to week. So for me personally, when I really started taking my faith seriously was... I had an encounter, um, so I went to a conference in Chicago when I was about 11 years old, and they had a youth night, so they had activities all around the room, kind of what you see with student ministries here, and each activity pertained to an aspect of the gospel, whether it be like forgiveness or prayer or anything like that. So one of the stations um, they had set up on a table this big bucket of water, and it was, it was completely foggy. You couldn't see anything in it. And then next to it, they had a bunch of rocks laid out. So it was a forgiveness station. So the premise was you are to think of something, you know, that you've done wrong and really place it on this rock. And as soon as you, you feel peace about letting go of it, you kind of drop the rock in the water. And that was kind of the first illustration I got of the gospel. Wow. And that was the first time it really hit me that, like, this was actually available to me. So... I completed that station, and then I went to this next area where volunteers would pray over you. So this, this kind gentleman walked up to me and was like, hey, man, is there anything I could pray for you? And that was honestly the first time I felt seen and, like, cared mm-hmm. for and actually just, like, treasured. Yeah. So I poured my heart out to him, and as soon as he started praying, you know, I got snot coming out of my nose. <laughs> I got tears coming out of my eyes. And, you know, honestly, it sounds like a good gospel story, but it's like I don't think I gave my life – to Christ at that moment either. Mm. Um, but looking back in hindsight, that's kind of where I first got a taste of heaven, mm-hmm. got a taste of the gospel. Yeah. So I guess we're just going to dive right into it. In middle school, I was introduced to pornography. Mm. And, you know, in this day and age, you know, that kind of finds you before you find it, the yeah. digital age we grew up in. And that on top of other things like having an older brother and just having parents who were divided. So just to clarify, my dad is still not a believer. Mm. Um, So my mom is a believer, so you guys can just imagine the tension in the household, raising kids two different ways, not having the father figure set the example of family discipleship, spiritual leadership, having my mom wear the pants, you know, for those things that my dad was supposed to set an example for. Yeah. Um, So I kept, you know, running into this wall of like, man, like, what's my purpose? Like, that was the big question. What is my purpose? And I couldn't figure that out. So in... um, Part of my story, and we're going to get to this later, is I was introduced um, you know, to music. And so I'm a drummer. I also play guitar. Those are my two strong suits. That's awesome. And my mom actually introduced me to the marching band in high school. So that's kind of when I first got into like being passionate about working hard and just like being a performer and getting in repetitions at home and stuff like that. Mm. So I got so into it that I wanted to pursue it outside of like an academic institution. So I tried to find like an independent circuit or an independent organization that could really grow me as a performer, as a musician. So that circuit is called Drum Corps International. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that. Some of you musicians in the room are nodding. I see you guys. So we've actually performed in the Liberty Bowl a couple of times. Um, I was a part of Carolina Crown, if any of you are familiar with that. Um, but some of some of you are just like, what is that? But we'll get into that <laughs> later. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so t- 
so we're all on the same page. Imagine like a marching band, take a high school marching band, and imagine if there was kind of like an NFL status to it. Yeah. That's kind of the easiest way I can explain it to people. I've been doing that for six years, and I still can't figure out how to <laughs> communicate what it entails. I would always just be like, you know that Nick Cannon movie, Drumline? Yeah. Like that, that's, that's, that's how it connects with me. No, it's nothing like that. <laughs> nothing like that. But yeah. Yeah, so essentially, like, man, that was my life. You know, I would finish school, and then I would get my homework done, and then I would go back and practice, and that would be the routine for, like, 500 days straight. And I was so blessed to be a part of this group that, you know, every part of it was amazing. Like, you perform in front of hundreds of thousands of people every summer. You know, people are are messaging you on Instagram. They're like, you know, can you give me lessons? Or, like, you know, can can I have your autograph? I'm signing drumsticks and and pads (laughs) and everything like that. But to... Not to lift myself up on a pedestal, that's kind of where the Lord met me. Mm-hmm. So he kind of like met me when I was trying to climb to the top myself. Yeah. So uh, I, I went to Liberty University, as with 95% of the MAs here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I remember praying as I was heading back to my dorm, like, you know, bear in mind, I haven't taken my faith seriously at this point, but this was kind of the first time I opened my life, like really up to Christ. Like, here's everything I've done, but you know, what now? Like, what's next? And that's kind of when I just left it at the Lord's hands. And he started very simply with me, which is Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. Like, so take the status that I've given you. Everything we have has been given to us in the first place Mm -hmm. and use it to share the gospel. So I decided to go back and compete for one more summer. We're traveling with hundreds of people and I have plenty of opportunities to share my testimony and share my story with other people. So I was able to share with about you know, 10 to 15 people, and one person came to know the Lord, and, you know, 14 other seeds were planted. Yeah. So that was kind of my first time just going out there and really just being a light for the gospel. Mm-hmm. And a little bit after that summer um, was when Francis Chan came and spoke um, at one of our campus gatherings, and he was really teaching on this message of, like, coming home. That was kind of the premise of it. Parable of the prodigal son, like how this day and age, we're just trying so hard. We're trying to make it in the world by ourselves Mm. when really we're just lost sheep and we just need to run home to the father's arms. And, you know, he kept saying this phrase, like, aren't you tired? Like, just come (laughs) home. Like, please just come home tonight. Do not leave here. You're not going to win anything. You're just going to win another day in doubt. Like, come home Mm. tonight. So February 6th, 2019 is when I can confidently say that I gave my life to Christ. Praise the Lord. Confidently. Awesome. Um, every time I share my testimony, like I always say, I don't know the exact day or time that I came to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it happened beforehand, but I'll, I'll know when I get to heaven. Right. But February 6th, 2019, I gave my life to Christ. Mm. I, I was on, on my knees. Tears were coming out. And like I found accountability. The first book of the Bible I went through was First Corinthians, which okay. I know that's that's yeah. something you guys just went went through. And you know, I, I stepped into hall leadership um, at Liberty and was ministering to people in my hall, and then became a resident shepherd. And then you know, it looked like getting plugged into a local church, and that was Thomas Road, mm-hmm. which is the the mega church right by Liberty. So. You know, for me now, I was I was baptized when I was in eighth grade. I know you guys just talked about baptism and your story mm-hmm. on how you walked up. Um, you know, my mom was sort of nudging me to get baptized, but, you know, when I was in eighth grade and I was speaking in front of my congregation, like, this is my testimony, this is why I want to get baptized, I think I meant it, yeah. you know, but looking back, 
at least February 6th, 2019, I can say, like, man, that was the day Definitive that, like, I gave my life to Christ. Yeah. So for me now, that looks like still being being mentored by very wise people such as yourself and mm. other people like Mark Smith. Yeah. Um, you know, getting in the word myself and leading small groups and all these different things. So, yeah. you know, going back and kind of circling to where we all started, you know, these these ideas of, like, purpose and these, these struggles with, like, pornography and all these mm-hmm. things, sure, they're still going to be there. But at the same time, it's it's through a filter of, That's like, right. the gospel. Like, you know, I have my purpose, mm. and I've never had any more joy than I ever had before. Praise Even God. if it means being at the top of, yeah. like, a very competitive circuit, nothing satisfies me more than knowing that I have a place in heaven and Amen. that I have purpose here on earth. So, you know, I'm still walking. I still am not perfect. Yeah. But, you know, I have the Holy Spirit fighting alongside me. I have you guys fighting alongside me. Yeah. And we're just doing life together, yeah. you know. So I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to say that I'm a citizen of heaven. Man, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. That's so cool. Thanks for sharing that, man. Um, so talked a little bit about your family. Is there anything else you'd like to share about uh, maybe your family or uh, back home in Maryland? Yeah, so I, I'm from Central Maryland. I say Central Maryland because if you're not from Maryland, the only two places you probably know are Baltimore and D.C., and I live right between them. So I grew up in Central Maryland for about um, 21 years of my life, went to public school. And as I mentioned, my dad is an unbeliever. So just imagine, like, the family dynamic of that, and even, like, cross-culturally. So they grew up in Asia, which is a very, like, collectivistic culture. And here you got a lot of individualism. So you have an unequally yoked marriage, and then you have two different cultures colliding. And then, so I was a psychology major, so I love talking about, like, (laughs) child development and upbringing. So imagine, like, what me and my brother went through growing up. Like, what do we even have to work with? What are our parents? You know what I mean? Like, the mom is the head of the household. That's that's already out of place. And then, you know, my dad's yelling at me for something that I know is just, like, unbiblical. And it's just like, I don't know what to do. So... But yeah, so growing up, it, it wasn't easy. My dad, on the other hand, though, as much as like I'm talking um, about his unbelief, like he was a great provider, and I aspired to be as great of a provider as he was one day to my family. Um, unfortunately, he doesn't have the spiritual aspect to it. But yeah, so my family and I are all good now. So like you know, we've had the conversations. Um, we've we've been through counseling and everything like that. So my my dad is still in our prayer list, and we have a bunch of prayer warriors just lifting him up. And my brother uh, finished his degree at Dallas Theological Seminary, and he's maybe looking to pastor bivocationally as he's working with his other company in Maryland. And then my mom's doing well. She's kind of figured out her day-to-day routine on what it looks like to be, like, covenanted to an unbeliever. You know, I know Paul talks a lot about that in the Corinthians, but, you know, she's kind of found her way, and she's very patient, and she's really set an example to me and my brother on what it means to stay, stay true to a commitment, so... Yeah, things are good. Thanks for sharing that. Just one follow-up. How does that uh, just image of your earthly father impacted your heavenly father over the years? Yeah, that's a very good question. So like I said, my dad was an excellent provider, like astounding. And, you know, a lot of times that, that directly translates to how you perceive God, right? So God is pictured as a father in the Bible. So, you know, a lot of us, maybe some of us in this room, maybe didn't have our dad around growing up. And sometimes that translates to like, man, God feels distant. And it's like, man, if your earthly father who you can see was not around, how can you believe that a God who you can see is near? There's a lot of correlation there. So for me, it was like, my dad is giving me everything I want. And I could get whatever I want by manipulating him. You know, I could cry, I could pout, I could do whatever I want until I get what I wanted. So 
my prayers were really like transactional for most of my life. And if I did not get what I wanted, like I found issue with that with God, you know, so there was a lot of correlation there. And I think for us in the room, if we think about our relationship with our dads, we can kind of see how what we think of God and what image of God comes to mind and how that sort of parallels each other. So I think it's very important in, in our walks with God to really think through some of our experiences growing up. For me personally, that was like, you know, he, he provided all the stuff for me, but emotionally he wasn't there. And praise God, like, I've gotten over that, and I've kind of filled those lies with truth from Scripture. Um, but there's definitely a very big influence of the fatherly figure in the household and how that translates to God being called Father, you know, in the Bible. Uh, so, like, what are some other difficulties that you've endured in the faith of following Jesus? Yeah, so, obviously, following Christ is not all roses and daisies. I understand uh, you you guys went through a, a, a discipleship series, right, for about three weeks or so. And, you know, you look at Scripture, and Jesus is saying, like, you know, you can't follow me unless you, like, let the dead bury their own dead. Or, like, you know... Um, you got to take up your cross and follow me, and the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And you have all these different sayings that's like, man, discipleship, it costs everything. It's very hard. So for me, it was, it was wrestling with, like, doubt and questioning and, you know, anxiety and all these different things. And I could not wrap my head around being okay with having questions about God. Mm. I thought that when I had a question about God, that there was an issue like I was doing something wrong, like I just lost my salvation or something like that. And it it had to get to the point where I had to just be bold and ask for help. And that's kind of really where I found freedom is, you know, I still have a lot of those same questions today. But, you know, I have a community to run alongside to encourage me yeah. and to really lift me up in prayer. Um, so that's one of those big things is like questioning. And then Another one was just like, you know, the silence of God. Like, I don't hear anything. And a lot of us, I think, can relate to that today is like, man, God, I need you to answer these things in my, my prayer journal. And I've been praying for these things for about like 10 years, you know. And, you know, where are you? So a lot of times for me, that's, that's kind of just like spending time alone in solitude in nature. That's one of my favorite things mm-hmm. to do. And the, the Christian faith, being a disciple of Jesus, really isn't easy. And I think we need to talk about that. Like, yeah. the Bible is not an easy book to study. Right. And sometimes, like, we have to just agree upon that and just accept that <laughs> as a reality. Like, and get out of the mindset that, like, you know, I didn't get anything out of the Word this morning. What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. You know, walking with Jesus is very difficult sometimes. Yeah. Simple in concept, very hard to execute. Mm-hmm. But for me, getting out of that hole was finding a community. Yeah. You know, the disciples always evangelize in groups of two. You know, all these different yeah. things, and the church is growing into a holy temple of the Lord. That's Ephesians 2. Mm-hmm. So f- not being afraid to ask questions, that really freed me. Didn't give me the answers to all the questions, <laughs> but it gave me a lot of peace in knowing that other people can relate to me yeah. and that they're there for me. Yeah. I think about the example of Job in the Bible where he has a lot of questions. And in the end of the book of Job, it's not that he gets all the answers to his questions, but he gets God, right? right. Like, like that's the whole the whole end is that he has this relationship with the Lord. Um, Ozzy, I want to brag on you. You have published a book. You are a published author in the room. And so tell me, how did that come about? Yeah, so kind of going along what we were talking about, the book I wrote is called Intimacy Over Answers. 
Um, so, you know, I've been kind of reemphasizing this idea of questioning. And so it kind of came about last year, um, actually now two years ago. That's crazy. Time's flying. <laughs> um, I was in one of those like ruts of my life where nothing was falling into place. So I had just graduated. This was like 2020 um, with my degree in psychology. And then I started my master's in psychology as well because I thought that was my future. Um, but then really quickly, I burned out, like I'd say week three or four. And I don't know if that was because of the, the professor or, you know, divine intervention, maybe a little <laughs> bit of both. But that entire semester, that entire spring semester was just filled with a lot of questions, yeah. a lot of questions, like not a lot of closure. Mm. Do I come back for another year of college? Do I switch degrees? You know, I don't know. Who am I going to marry? You know, you name yeah. it. It was just all kind of weighing me down and I just couldn't take it anymore. Mm. So... It's called intimacy over answers because I think what the Lord was teaching me through the storm was that there's something bigger that we have to keep in mind. And right, going back to this talk about fatherly figure, you know, just a reminder that I've been adopted, that I'm a beloved child of God. Yeah. And then we can talk about the rest, you know, mm -hmm. identity. Mm -hmm. Like that's the big word. We need that's to right. begin with our proper identity in the word and who God says we are. Yeah. So he was really challenging me with staying true to who I am and letting him take care of the rest. Yeah. So I was, I began like grabbing coffee with people, meeting people over food and like telling them about this idea that I have, intimacy over answers. I'm like, I feel like God's telling me to do something with it, but I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> and then they were like, have you ever thought about writing a book? It's <laughs> like, no, I'm not a writer. <laughs> so, um, and then I thought about, it, I was like, I think a lot of people would benefit if I put what I'm experiencing into words. So I, I opened up my laptop, opened up Microsoft Word. It is that easy. Um, <laughs> if any of you are wondering how to publish a book, <laughs> Microsoft Word, Google Docs, something like that. And then I finished it in eight days. Wow. Eight days. That's so, amazing. yeah, the book is not that long. It's 93 pages still. That's about 10, 12 pages a day. And, you know, I was able to finish it that quickly because. I think the best books or the best sermons you write are, mm -hmm. you know, what the Lord is teaching you and letting yeah. him speak through you. So I just kind of opened my laptop and was very receptive to what I was sort of sensing yeah. needed to be next in the story. Yeah. Um, so the, the entire premise is, yeah, we all struggle. We all struggle with doubts. We all have questions. Like, we all want to know what's next. We all want the answer. Like, yeah. what's the answer? Because right. when we know the answer, we're in control. But when we don't have the answer, we, we have a lack of control. We're and that's dependent. when we get unstable. Mm -hmm. Right? Exactly. So intimacy. Just like father, son, father, daughter. Like there's something bigger here that we have to really leverage. Yeah. And that's taking our spiritual disciplines, our time praying, our time in solitude, our time of worship, and mm -hmm. being like, you're my father, God. Yeah. And you, you have my future in your hands. I don't know what's going to happen next but I just want to sit in my identity like mm. as a child of God. So that's what that book's about. That's good. And it is on Amazon. I, I don't get all the money. Little if, mom if and pop shop, amazon.com. Yeah, amazon.com. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm familiar um, with it. Yeah. Um, so it's out there if you guys want to read it. Good but awesome. yeah, I'm not trying to be a bestseller or anything no, like sure, that. No, for so. sure, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we may give that out as maybe a, you know, uh, a guest, a uh, little gift, right? Yeah. yeah, I was telling Ian, save your money earlier and uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Well, good deal. Um, so, you know, you're here for a, a, a year um, and, and in that time, we're going to get to know you probably a little bit more organically. And so this, this next question is kind of help us out, kind of see what, what maybe hobbies or interests do you have? 
uh, that we can kind of maybe find some commonality in or, or just maybe something that you're interested in and we can kind of begin that discussion? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up kind of a jack of all trades in sports. So I pretty much played everything, like, you know, baseball, even swam for a year, okay. a little bit of hockey. And then predominantly I played soccer and tennis for about 10 years. Nice. Um, so I'm a huge Washington Capitals fan. I don't know if anybody here watches Caps hockey. Fans? Anybody? Or if there's any Predators fans in here. On what check Anything like that. Isn't that what it means? Yeah, I know. Like, hockey's not a, a common <laughs> ground no? you typically, you know, find. Ovechkin. That's it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. nailed it. <laughs> yeah, you, you typically don't bring up, like, hockey or something like that to find yeah. common ground. But I'm also, like, a big reader. I love reading. Yeah. Um, Christian living books specifically. So mm-hmm. I'm not a big fantasy nonfiction. You know, I respect the people who do that. Yeah. I'm just, I don't have a big arsenal of books <laughs> like that. So, um, yeah, so Drum Corps International, that's kind of the big passion that I can kind of go into a little bit more detail yeah. here. So um, that that entire art required so much of my my time, attention, and effort to the point where, you know, that's what I was passionate about for five or six years. Mm. And, you know, when you're passionate about something, it's what you think about, it's what, what you talk about, yeah. it's what you do. Um, so in terms of common ground, like music, I love music. So I was talking to Amanda earlier, right? She plays the violin, and I know some other people, like Clint and Aaron, are in the Bellevue Orchestra. So, you know, if you play a musical instrument, I'd love to talk to you because, you know, I'd love to learn from you, and you can even teach me, you know, some of the things you can play. And, but yeah, so drum corps for me, it was was kind of an outlet for me to really cultivate character through like excellence in music. So music is something that gives me chills like all the time. Yeah. Like Mark Blair and you know his productions, like you know, music gives me chills. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, for drum corps, it was flying out to various locations and you know, hoping that the hundreds of dollars you're investing into this one group kind of pays off because yeah. you don't always get a contract with the group that you audition with. And I had to learn the hard way. I, I got cut from about five different groups. We, we flew to places like Milwaukee and, you know, the Carolinas and even Iowa. And I was going all over the place trying to find a place where I could be passionate about what I do. Um, and not many people are passionate about that. It's, it's kind of a very unique, right. like, art. Um, but they do swing by the Memphis area if you have time to check it out. I think they actually come through the Liberty Bowl while we're at YA Retreat. So oh, wow. that's also an invitation to sign up for YA Retreat. There you go, so. man. Plug in my <laughs> stuff, man. I, I, can, I can appreciate that. Um, yeah, but to kind of to kind of like hone it in, I'm kind of talking in like a spider web here. I think something I'm passionate about is bringing the best side out of people. I believe there's a side of people that people don't even know about. And, like, for me, that was people yelling at me and really trying to push me to the next level. Yeah. And I know one of our sayings above you is, like, ministry excellence. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something I'd love to bring out of people if I can, you know, one-to-one or even in group settings. Yeah. Um, so I love sitting down with people. I love talking to people over coffee. I love having the difficult conversations, ultimately to be the best person you can be. Mm. And for me, that was through the specific activity of drum corps. But I believe the Lord, you know, wants that out of each of us in each of our vocations, yeah. whether that's nursing or engineering mm-hmm. or anything like that. That's good, man. That's good. I love that. Um, all right, this is kind of changing things up a little bit. Uh, this is more of like a just kind of get, getting to know you and what you're interested in still. If you can have dinner with anyone living or dead, who would it be and why? All right, I got I got one of these for you. So okay, <laughs> living and dead. Okay, great, great. He, so living, I would say Francis Chen. 
Okay. Um, cool. I really just want to hear from him. I, I think something he does very well is remain captivated by the simple message of the gospel. Mm. And I think that's something we've lost in the 21st century. Wow. So like some of his books, Crazy Love, Letters to the Church, Forgotten God, yeah. Multiply, you know, he's, he's really good at delivering the simplicity of the gospel, mm -hmm. but also being very blunt and to the point on how like messed up this generation is. Yeah. So I really just want to sit across from him and, and ask him just like, you know, about his testimony and glean some wisdom from him. Yeah. Someone who's further down the road and someone who I want to be like, yeah. you know, one day. He is an absolutely phenomenal communicator. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in one of my seminary classes was preaching. I had to like pose the question, what's the best sermon illustration I've ever witnessed? And it would have to be hands down his rope illustration yeah. that he uses to show the scope of eternity. The length of time. The like length of the time. The little right? red. Yeah. So he yeah. has this long rope and you can't see one end of it because it's all backstage. But you can see the one, the end he's holding up. And it's got a little bit of red duct tape on the end of it. And he says, this is the amount of time that you have on the earth. And here's the rest of eternity. And he's like, sometimes we get so wound up with this little red part. And we forget all about what the Lord has for us in the grand scheme of eternity. And that just, man, just blew my mind. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. There's so many things I get so wound up about, and I lose the scope of eternity that the Lord has for us. Right. Yeah. Have you also seen his balance beam illustration? I don't think I've seen he's, that. So he's walking across you know, in front of his congregation, and then he gets on his knees. I might be able to do a demonstration. Yeah, I'll see here. it. So imagine this is a balance beam, right? And then like he's like getting on all fours, and then he kind of wraps around the bar like this. And then he's like, this is what some of you guys look like, you know, in your Christian walk. You know, you want to raise a family. You want to be the safest you can be. And then you made it to eternity. And then that's it. And it's like the gospel calls us to be bold, you know, and some of us are just playing it safe, safe Christianity. So, yeah, just going off of that. I didn't mean to, to do that. But no, you're good, like, man. I <laughs> wasn't planning on doing yeah. that tonight, but, you uh, know. Spoke to me, man. Yeah. It really did. <laughs> yeah, hopefully someone, is Noah in here? Is that going to go on the Bellevue story? <laughs> me on the I think, ground, I think you're good. I think you're good. Yeah, no, Francis Chan's a great communicator, so living, that's, that's the guy I'd want to sit down with, and, you know, mm -hmm. maybe that can become an actuality yeah. one day, but dead, I would say Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Whoa, so okay. he, he wrote the book, The Cost of Discipleship, which mm -hmm. is one of the books that changed my life. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was a German theologian mm -hmm. around the time of Adolf Hitler. Yeah. So he was around during World War II, and he was actually exposed in a plot to kill Hitler, to assassinate him, and he was hung. Yeah. Um, but in his time in prison, he was able to, to write a lot of great thoughts down that still speak to a lot of us today. Yeah. And one of his phrases is like cheap grace and costly mm -hmm. grace. Mm -hmm. So I'd really want to sit down with him too. Cause I think, you know, while Francis brings the love of the gospel to the 21st century, I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer being alive in the 20th century still is probably the closest figure in terms of the biblical depiction of discipleship. Yeah. Like this is what it costs. It costs mm -hmm. you everything the chief defining factor must be humility. You know, he's, he's so good at laying out what discipleship truly looks like yeah. in a culture of, like, progressive progressive Christianity where we're moving away from, like, you know, the, the 12 apostles and, yeah. and what they were supposed to become. Wow. So, yeah, That's Dietrich Bonhoeffer so and Francis Chan, I would yeah. say, living and dead. Bonhoeffer wrote uh, one book that really resonated with me was Life Together, it's, and it's really short. Um, but it's crazy to think about. He was in, you know, this World War II era underground seminary in Germany of training up Christians. And, and he taught on how to do life together. And what he taught 
it transcends that circumstance, that context, and meets us even in today. Um, and so that one, that one definitely, uh, man, just changed my life in a way of, that I look at, you know, how we do life together as the church. Um, so man, that's a, that's a right. been great answer. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you could recommend any book or resource to our young adults, something that's helped kind of maybe form you as a young adult, uh, what would it be and why? Excellent question. No. Your own book. <laughs> that's a bold answer. Nah. Um, I would say, have any of you heard of 30 Days to the Bible by Max Anders? I don't think I have. Oh, wow. This is a perfect recommendation. All right. Um, so 30 Days to the Bible by Max Anders was the one of the first books I picked up after I rededicated my life to Christ. Mm. And it is what it sounds like, 30 Days to the Bible. And it's only five to ten minutes a day. And it's like a couple pages of reading, and then you have a quick worksheet. And what he does is he goes through like the, the meta-narrative of Scripture. So he goes through from beginning to end, all the different characters, the the patriarchal figures, Israel's history, even like touching up on angels and stuff like that. But he gives a very good overview of scripture. It only takes five to 10 minutes a day and it's a month commitment. So I think I'd recommend that to all of us, even if like you, you've been a well-seasoned Christian, Mm -hmm. it's always good to, to get the meta narrative of scripture over and over again. Refresh. Exactly. Um, But I think, like one of the unfortunalities of today's generation is biblical illiteracy. Mm. So I think, you know, if the young adult ministry, you know, led the charge on, hey, like we need to get back to the word yeah. and know what it says. I think that's a great place to start. That's so good. yeah, 30 days to the Bible, Max Anders, five to 10 minute commitment every day for a month. Very cool. Max yeah. Anders, I haven't even heard of him. That, yeah, I'm going to check that one out. Yeah. Uh, and then um, what excites you most about this next year of serving in the young adults ministry? Um, what, what excites you the most? Yeah, I guess I'm just excited to meet everybody here. And I like I know everybody has a story here and just just learn from where everyone came from in their upbringing and where they are in their faith. Um, I'm also excited to just grow alongside them. I think that's one of the the benefits of being in young doll ministry. That's what Katie was telling me earlier is like, you know, the people you're ministering to are also like your best friends and you just do life together. And I think that's the coolest thing. So I know there's a lot of you and there's only one of me. (laughs) <laughs> but, like, you know, I, I look forward to meeting every single single person here and just hearing about their stories and what they're passionate about. I believe everybody has something they can talk a year off of yeah. and, you know, just doing life with everybody, yeah. you know. Yeah, and let that encourage us to, to kind of take some initiative to kind of introduce ourselves to Ozzy um, as we get to know him better over the next uh, few few days and weeks. Um, and we're going to have a moment to do that here shortly with uh, the cheesecake bites that we're about to devour, I think. Um, but before we get, get on to that part, uh, one just last thing I, I want to ask you is how can we be praying for you, I guess, this summer? Let's just kind of take that that short uh, next couple of months. How, how can we be praying for you um, just as you get to still settled in here and continue doing your what you're pursuing in life? Yeah, that's great. Uh, first, I want to deflect that and, you know, bring up my dad again. Um, so if you want to lift him up in prayer, his name is Wesley. So he, he's still an unbeliever. We've been, we've been lifting him up for about 13 years or so. Um, so be praying for him. We could always use more prayer warriors. For me personally, I've been really chewing on this idea of being a servant of the king. Um, so I, I would just love to be a vessel and be used by the Lord. Um, so if you guys want to be praying for humility on my end and just kind of being a tool for God and his kingdom and what he wants for my life. You know, being a part of what he's doing and not getting in the way. Um, that's huge. And another thing the Lord's teaching me is being 
present in the moment, right? You're telling me like wherever you are, be all in. And I think that's a prayer we could all use for ourselves, but particularly for me as someone who is very like future oriented, like what's next five, 10 years later, what's going on and trying to map that out. Um, I think we're, we're missing so much by, by being in that headspace. And I would love to just cultivate that skill of remaining present and being all in wherever I am. So yeah, if you guys could lift those things up in prayer this summer, that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, I'd like to end our time now. Um, we'd just love to kind of pray over you. Um, and so, um, you know, we don't do this very often, um, but we kind of did it a couple weeks ago when we did the prayer cards. I just asked you to lift those up. But um, if you would, uh, I'm just going to pray over Ozzy. Um, but if you would, just bow your heads and, and agree with me in my prayer. If you would just raise your hands towards him as if you were just laying your literal hand on his shoulder. Um, I'd just love to pray for him uh, now. Um, gracious Heavenly Father, we, uh, we give thanks uh, that you are a God who has a, a plan. And you have a plan for each and every single one of us. And Lord, you have brought Aussie Way uh, here uh, according to your plan, uh, by your sovereignty and by your grace, uh, to make him more into the image of Jesus, but also to, to utilize him for the sake of uh, benefiting your church, uh, just as we've talked about in the, the last few weeks. And so, God, I do pray that you would uh, just allow him to be a servant of your kingdom and to be faithful to that calling. Um, God, that you would humble him, um, keep him humble that he would be used by you in a positive way, in a way that uh, meets him where he is by your grace and, and meets your church where she is by your grace. Uh, that, God, we would see great fruit uh, come from Ozzy's personal investment into the lives of the young adults of this ministry. Um, that, God, he would get to, one, be poured into, but, Lord, he would get to be to pour out uh, to to your saints here and those that you uh, wish to be a part of your church, your bride. And so, God, would you use him in a mighty way uh, by keeping him humble and, and doing just what Jesus did. Uh, G Jesus, Lord, you did not uh, seek to, to be served, but, Lord, you came to serve. And so, God, I pray that Ozzy and myself and all these that here would be just challenged to, to have the same heart of Christ, uh, to serve. Um, God, I do want to lift up to you Ozzy's father, Wesley. God, it, it's been 13 years that it's been on his prayer list that, Lord, you would uh, save his father. And God, I do pray by your grace that you would just enter into Wesley's life, and God, you would save him by your grace through faith in Christ alone. Um, Lord, for his, his good, for his eternity, just like we talked about, that he would make a decision that would impact his eternity and would also make his family really, really happy, happy in the Lord to see what you're doing and, the, and seeing the redemptive work that you accomplish in life after life after life come to their father or come to their family once again uh, to their to his father. God, I do lift that up to you. And Lord, I know that Ozzy uh, has other things that he's looking to do this summer uh, as far as school and, and continuing to read and grow. And so, God, I just pray that you bless those efforts as well. God, would you bless us now, uh, now as we look to just mingle for a little while and get to know him a little bit better and a little bit more personally. Uh, but God, thank you for this time that we've had to just get to know him well. God, we, uh, we thank you and we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.